The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Welcome all of you that are here. So glad to see everyone here. And uh, I'm not going to be preaching today. I get to be preached to today just like you. And, uh, you know, before I, before I was a youth pastor in a Southern Baptist type setting, I came from a different denomination where there was a very top-down approach in the leadership of the ministry such that someone from the state office of that denomination would come into your church and church members would come up and say, why are they here? We don't want them here. No joke. I mean, this absolutely happened. And, uh, and then I come into this Baptist-type setting, and, and I become a youth pastor, a insignificant youth pastor. And I've got all these people blowing up my phone from the state office saying, oh, we're so glad that you're the youth pastor. Let me take you to lunch this week. And I'm thinking, who are these people? And then I see them walk into the church and the whole congregation, rather than pulling the, who are they, who are they and why are they here, they, oh, we missed you so much. We're so glad you're here. So just so good to have the relationship that, uh, that we do with people um, like Jack Helton, who's going to be coming to preach to us this morning. And, uh, and I could give him many introductions, but I guess the main one I'll give you is that you're going to be spending eternity with him if you know the Lord. So you'll have plenty of time then to get to know him. So please welcome Jack Helton. And knowing a few faces in here, some of you said, oh my, really? Am I really going to be spending eternity with this guy and then some of you are probably going well praise the lord because i'm a pretty uh, happy guy most of the time so to speak well it's good to be back i got a little echo here um it is good to be back uh, it's been a while i think a little over two years as i think back uh, and look back at my calendar uh, when i was invited i was invited actually several weeks ago but i thought i had COVID again i did have it uh, about a year ago uh and uh I thought I had COVID again, and I said, well, I can come and preach, but I don't know that if, you know, there's a COVID breakout, you could blame it on me. And Kevin could tell you, when things happen in the state like that, there's a lot that's blamed on me. And so I own that in some respects. And so, uh, but uh, it, it's just a joy to be with you. And, and last time I was here, you were still in the pastor search mode. And so obviously you now have a pastor and Ben and Abby are here. And I remember actually being here uh, while you were candidating this candidate. And uh, I remember uh, I was excited because I obviously knew him at Heath and uh, we had opportunity. In fact, he invited me one time to come and speak for the men's group and have a great history with Heath. I've been there, you know, I've been serving as a Southern Baptist missionary in our state for 20 years. And so there's not too many churches across our state that I don't know that I haven't been in, haven't been able to preach in those. So, uh, so I'm glad that you're part of the SBC family. I'm sure for some of you that's some apprehension <laughs> or some uh, understanding and investigation, but uh, we aren't as bad as what y'all think. Uh, uh, we like to say that we're people of the book and by the book, and most importantly, we believe in the grace and salvation that the Lord offers us in Jesus Christ, and we believe in the blood of Christ forgiving us of our sins. We believe in unity. We believe in we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. As I was singing those songs, I can't help but sing songs and think of the meanings behind the words of those songs. I thought of the Apostle Paul when he talked about amazing grace and how my chains are gone, how he was actually chained, chained to Roman guards, and yet he was as free as free could be. I think about all the things that we sing about and the joy of the Lord and the presence of the Lord. And if you read the Word of God closely, there's a lot of times when people are in the presence of the Lord and they want to get out of the presence of the Lord. And then there are other people who are in the presence of the Lord that can't get enough of the presence of the Lord. But I know this, when you're in the, president, in the presence of the Lord, something happens within us, whether it's good or bad, whether it draws us closer to Him or farther away from Him, there's always something that takes place when you're in the presence of the Lord. Now, I like the gatherings on Sunday mornings. Amen. We're in the presence of the Lord. Most of us here have a relationship with the Lord, but I'm also not naive enough to think that everyone in this room has a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're investigating the Lord. Maybe you're curious about the Lord. Maybe you think you know the Lord very well and you might know him very well intellectually, but maybe you have no lasting relationship with him. 
that if today was your last day on earth, would you have the security of knowing that Jesus Christ's blood has forgiven you your sins, you've confessed those sins, and that you could stand before the Lord knowing that he's going to look at you through the blood of Christ, through the eyes of Christ and not in and of ourselves. And if we can stand in that place and believe in that and we can own that because faith tells us we can own that, then every day is a good day in the Lord. Amen. Even the last day is a good day because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so uh, I just want to come and encourage you this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Um, I, want to, I want to just take a small excerpt uh, out of this gospel. And remember, Mark is the, uh, he's the gospel writer that's constantly telling us about how, how immediately Jesus is doing things. He's got purpose and he's got direction. Uh, he's working in God's timetable. He's trying to maximize his life, physical life on earth, to have eternal uh, impact forever. And so he's going about his days very, very rapidly. And Mark tells us how he's serving people and how he's here one minute and then he's there the next minute, then he's here the next minute, he's over here the next minute. And so Mark is telling us that constantly Jesus is interacting with people. His mission was to interact with people. He could have very easily gone to the temple, stayed there and said, if y'all want to hear me, come on and see me. But no, he didn't do that. He, in fact, he, he encouraged us and commanded us to go into the highways and byways and compel them to come to his house. Compel uh, folks out there to say there is hope in Christ. If you want to have meaning in life, come to this place, meet this man. And so Jesus is among, among the masses all the time. He's always among the masses. Occasionally, he's sneaking away to get along with his father. Occasionally, he's going to these uh, spiritual retreats to people's homes that he knows. But for the most part, he's probably sleep deprived. And so in this story, we can understand why he's sleeping because he's constantly doing ministry. And I can tell you, and people who are in full-time ministry or do ministry even part-time, it is very taxing mentally. It is very taxing emotionally. It's hard ministry. It's hard. But by God's grace and with God's power, we get through it. Amen. He equips us to do those kind of things. And so this little story, uh, I, uh, the Lord gave me this message kind of right at the end of last year. I titled it The Journey of Life. And I want to speak to you this morning for a few moments that we have to, together on this journey of life. I'm going to ask you if you will to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. And I want to read Mark chapter 4. And I want to read verses 35 through 41. And then I want us to make four observations from the text and then grab hold of one great truth uh, that we can grab grab hold of from this text in the context jesus has been in the midst of a very busy day in ministry his disciples have been near him the crowds have been near him he's teaching them all these concepts about faith and so as he comes to the conclusion of the day this is what mark tells us that they are doing he says on that day when evening had come he told them jesus Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. That would be the, the Sea of Galilee. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat. And if you look back, he was actually in a boat when he was doing a lot of his teaching at the very beginning of this chapter. So he's in the boat and other boats were with him. So there's more than just one boat now that's crossing from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. Well, a fierce windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and he says to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you so fearful? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And they asked one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? May the Lord add his blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. You may be seated. As I think back to our lives uh, in the last year, certainly much has changed, has it not? But yet we know that every day, if the Lord gives us breath, he wants us to take one step after another. If he gives us a day to use one day after another, I kind of like Andy Dufresne's 
comment uh, in Shawshank Redemption. Every day the Lord says, get busy living or get busy dying. Get about this thing that we call life. And we know that he came to give us abundant life. He came to give us a joyful life, a purposeful life, a meaningful life, a life that counts for something beyond just the physical life. He does, he does this for us and he encourages us to do that. And so if the Lord allows us to do this, this journey that we call life really is a lot of different things. And I want to share those with you this morning. First thing I want you to know is that the journey of life is a series of adventures. The journey of life is a series of adventures. Now, what's an adventure? Well, normally it's this unusual, it could be exciting, sometimes hazardous experience or activity that we have. As I think about adventures in my life, I think about the many places that I've been able to go and to visit. A couple years ago, I had the privilege of going to Israel for the first time to see the temple or the Temple Mount and to, to, to travel really the footsteps of Jesus and being able to have the Bible come alive in a different kind of way because now I'm seeing. In fact, in this very text, in this very chapter, I can see in my mind right now the morning that we first, we flipped it in the story. At first, Jesus is talking about this as he goes and then he encounters uh, the, the uh, demoniac uh, and we actually started there and then crossed over the, Gal the Sea of Galilee the opposite way and ended up going over to Capernaum on the other side. But I can picture it in my mind right now, the calm of the sea. I can see the two mountains that form a very close-knit vacuum so that if the storms were coming, how quickly they could come through that valley and create a fierce windstorm on that lake, which is not a really huge lake. I can see all that taking place. I can see the things that Jesus has done because I've literally walked on the ground where he was doing them. And so it's kind of a different kind of thing. And I think about the great adventures of being able to do that and to experience that. And I think about the, the trips that I've had as a, one of the things, one of the great privileges I have uh, to serve you is I manage the Ohio Baptist Foundation. And so uh, we have an annual meeting every year. And those annual meetings take us in different places because every year another different uh, foundation uh, hosts. And so they don't always necessarily host in their home state. Uh, so I've, I've had the great privilege of being in Maui, pretty nice place to visit, place my wife said, could we stay another week? I said, yeah, but if we do, you won't get those granite countertops for the kitchen. So, you know, you have to make choices and priorities, right? And then I know the joy of wanting to go back and this time going to Honolulu, but I get cancer and the doctor says you can't go and I'm mad at him and I'm mad at everything else. The adventures that we're able to go on. So as we think about adventures, if you think about your life, what's that adventure that every time you think about it just brings joy to your life, brings happiness? You're thinking, man, if I could just go back there one time and enjoy that again. And most of us probably have those things in our minds, these adventures that have been very, very good. But you know what? There's other adventures that are not so good. I can think of a few adventures as a pastor I didn't want to take I didn't want to have to go to a hospital at three o'clock in the morning and see someone you love dearly dead because of an accident and then have to go and inform their family of what happened those aren't good adventures those are difficult things to have to endure. Uh, I don't like going to funeral homes. There's no life in them. Now, there's eternal life through them, but there's not life in them. Mostly what takes place in funeral homes are dead. You think about the journey of our Lord. It took him to many places. Many times he's talking about the ministry of the Sea of Galilee. But remember, it took him to a cross that he hung on. On Calvary's tree. It took him to a place that he wanted to go to. He said, I'm going there. It is my mind to go there. It is God's will to go there. I'm going to lay down my life there. But then again, by the way, my adventure is not ending there. My adventure is going on because I'm going to get up from the grave and I'm going to continue to live. And then I'm going to live in you and your adventure is just beginning. And if you think about this life that we live, I mean, normally we think about longevity for a hundred years. Life just begins in eternity when you've had a hundred years. I mean, I think the first 10,000 years is going to be just us listening to each other's testimony about how the Lord was good to us. That'll take enough time. We probably want to get to half the people that are there by then. 
I mean, there's just so many good things that these adventures that we that we go on. And so Jesus is ministering. All of a sudden, here's this adventure that's going to take them from one side of the lake to the other. I think there's another thing that we can look from the text. Not only do they cross over to the other side, but the Bible does make mention that there are some in the boat with Jesus. And then there are some in other boats that are on the water near Jesus. And there probably were some people that were left on the shore who didn't get in a boat that didn't want to go on the journey with Jesus. And I think in many respects, and certainly I think symbolically, we could take a picture from this particular context and say, isn't that the Christian walk for us? There are sometimes we want to be in the boat with Jesus. We want him near. We want to be in his presence and we want him in our presence. There are sometimes because of something maybe that's going on in our life or something that we're struggling with in life or some kind of confusion that we place upon God because we can't make sense of life that we don't want him so close, but we do want him near. So maybe it's better to be in another boat. And then there are some times when we get angry with God or we don't understand all that he's doing and his plans and purposes or we've been hurt by someone or something that we just, you know, almost put God on the shelf and we say, you know what, you go ahead on the journey. I'm just going to stay back here. I don't want to take this journey with you. And our, our Christian walk is like that because we fight the flesh, don't we? Isn't that Romans 7? Isn't that what the Apostle Paul says, you know? Who can save me from this wretched man I am? Because what I know is this, every time I want to do good, evil's right there with me. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things I know to do, I don't do. Help me, help me, help me. And of course he says, the help is in Christ. And so the adventures that we're on in life, they take us to many places, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. And as we travel uh, in this journey, sometimes we travel all alone. Sometimes we travel as others. You ever been in a uh, you ever been in a sanctuary? I mean, I don't know. There's probably about a hundred people here or so, pretty close. You ever been in a sanctuary and the pastor's preaching, or you begin thinking in your mind because the Holy Spirit's teaching and He's reaching, and you feel like you're the only one sitting in the congregation? When I came to Christ, when I rededicated my, my life to Christ back in 1987, there were probably 450 people in the sanctuary that morning. As far as I'm concerned, I was the only person in the sanctuary that morning because all I could see was Jesus and me. That's all I could see. Didn't see the other people. When I walked the aisle, didn't know there were other people around. It was just Jesus speaking and drawing me. And though I felt like I was all alone, I realized then I'm not all alone. And as I've walked this Christian walk, God and in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit and in the body of Christ continues to remind me that I'm not walking this journey alone. That's why we have the body of Christ to help one another, to cover those multitudes of sin, to share love with one another, to pray for one another, encourage one another, comfort one another, and all these difficult things that we go through in life. So this journey of life is a serious adventure. And Jesus was constantly taking these apostles and the disciples who were at large and near on all of these journeys. And some of them were very, very good. And some of them were not so very good because they were difficult to understand. And so as we think about the series of adventures in our life, whether they're unusual, whether they're exciting, whether they're hazardous, anybody ever bungee jump? Anybody ever thought about it? I'm the only lunatic in the house, huh? Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have courage until you step on the edge. You really do. And then you're thinking, is this thing really going to work? What happens if it doesn't? I don't know that you, you know what happens because you just like the bug on the windshield, right? <laughs> it's the end of that. So, yeah, sometimes these, these, uh, these journeys are hazardous. Sometimes we want to take hazardous journeys. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes we do. We know that one thing is for certain. Life is uncertain if you walk it alone. But it is real certain if you walk it with Jesus. Even though it might be short. And the Bible says our, our lives are but what, a mist? James said, hey, just a mist. Gone tomorrow. You don't know how long you're going to live. I love what the Bible says in Matthew 6, 34. We normally know 6, 33. If we seek to 
kingdom of God and his righteousness. He'll add all these things to us, you know, talking about food, clothing, shelter. But the next verse says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough difficulty of its own. Job would say it a different way. Job would say, man who's born a woman, his days are short, full of trouble. Full of trouble. So the adventure that we're on, this thing called life, short. Short. Time, we measure, time doesn't exist where Jesus is. Eternity is eternity. Past, present, future are all the same. And so in this uncertain yet certain journey that's so short, let's take the adventure with the Lord Jesus. Let's live by faith and walk by faith. So the journey of life is all about these adventures that we go on, good and bad. Second thing I want you to notice from the text is that the journey of life contains a series of interruptions. A series of interruptions. Interruptions are those things that break into our lives without warning. COVID-19, have to say nothing else, without warning, because we can't plan for them. They just come upon us suddenly, unexpectedly. The Bible calls them storms. Here's a physical storm, literally a physical storm. The Bible calls them sometimes trials or tribulations or temptations or persecutions. So think of the setting. They've been in Jesus' presence the whole time, the whole day. Evening has come. It's time to go to the other side. They're probably all tired. They're probably all fatigued. So they get in the boat and they're thinking it's just going to be a short three, four mile jaunt across, depending on where they're crossing. And all of a sudden, this fierce storm comes. So the calm is now chaos. Their certainty is now uncertainty. Their faith has now become fear. And if you really think about it, friends, isn't that what takes place in our lives each day when we run into these interruptions? How easy and how quickly we can go from faith to fear. How quickly we can know from understanding to not knowing anything and being ignorant. We go from being very calm to being very anxious. We go from being joyful to a middle of aggravation and frustrating, uh, frustration, almost like that. It just comes so quickly. Agitation comes quickly to our lives, and oftentimes it comes unexpectedly to our lives. Think about the times when you have been walking with the Lord, or just, just think about walking with people in good relationships that you thought, and all of a sudden something changed. And in a moment's notice, all that you thought was grand now becomes, oh my goodness, almost unbearable. You can't make sense of it. You don't want to make sense of it. You don't want to visit it. These things happen all the time. I think about some of the ramifications of, of uh, COVID, a loss of job. You know, men and many women get much of their identity from what they do. You take that away and all of a sudden you have difficulty with your identity. That's why our identity always has to be rooted in Jesus, in Christ. If any man be in Christ, Paul said that, in Christ. So we have to be rooted in Jesus, in Christ. I think about loss of jobs. I think about loss of friends. We certainly think about the loss of health. I've lost three close relatives now to COVID. The loss of health. No underlying, no extenuating circumstances, just COVID, fight the fight, die. Sometimes we lose our sense of purpose and our sense of meaning, our sense of direction life because some interruption comes and overwhelms us in life. And if you really think about it, isn't life filled with hazards? I mean, there's a landmine waiting to happen in every one of our lives every single day. What we have to do is decide, can we sidestep it? Can we get over it? Or if we step on it and things are blown up, will we trust Jesus to help us through it? Can we rely upon him not to leave us nor forsake us as he promises? Because I can tell you what, as a pastor in my life, there have been times I'm like, God, where are you? Are you on vacation? Have you taken a break? What are you doing? Do you not see that I'm suffering here? Do you not see that I think I'm right in this relationship or right in this particular thing, and yet it seems like it's being perceived all wrong? What are you doing? 
And certainly we know from the story that there are a lot of hazards in life that don't just happen on the sea or in a boat, right? I was driving down, you know, we talk about interruptions in life. There are times when we have interruptions in life and the things we do have consequences. Uh, I had a brother who had some very bad interruptions in life and found himself uh, locked up in prison for more than half of his life. And one of the things is I was driving by Chillicothe last week as I was driving by Chillicothe Correctional Institute because when my father died, that's where my brother was incarcerated and he wasn't able to attend my father's funeral. And I thought to myself as I'm going by, the interruptions that these people had in their lives that caused them to do something. I'm sure that they probably, most people were in prison didn't want to do what they did. Could have been the spur of the moment. I mean, there are people that do what they do, and certainly they need to be locked up, and there are consequences for that. But the reality is, most of us, when these interruptions come and we do things that have dire consequences, we're not thinking about them. They just kind of happen, and then we have to live with the consequences of those. And I thought to myself, how many people were in prison outside of those walls, outside of that fence, outside of that yard? And then how many people inside of that are really free because they've met the Lord. So there's interruptions that take place. And some of our interruptions have dire consequences. But if we're really, really truthful with ourselves, when we go through these difficulties, even the strongest of us, even the strongest of us, these things assault our perspective about God. They really do. We ask questions, God, are you ignoring me? Do you care about me? Lord, are you there? Lord, are you indifferent about what I'm going through? Lord, are you absent? Do you not understand my pain and the difficulty I'm going through? Because these guys, it seems as all is well. We know that they were confused in mind because as Jesus began to teach in parables, they didn't quite get it. And so Jesus had to explain to them oftentimes in private what he'd been saying to people in public. So we know that at least in their mental framework, they're a little bit confused. Yet Jesus has been talking about faith all day. And now there's a practical application of faith. What are you going to do when the storms of life come to you? Are you going to be calm? Or are you going to respond in chaos? And so they didn't get it in the practicality of what he's trying to teach them on this particular day in this particular incident. Come on. So what do they do? They say, hey, hey, don't you care about us? Do you realize we're about ready to die? Now, these guys are fishermen, many of them. They've been on this water before. They've probably gone through them storms. And depending on what translation, this is no normal storm. This is pretty uh, bad. I've uh, seen a replica of what would have been a fisherman's boat in the first 100 years after the Lord's death. And uh, it's, it's not as good as an 8 or 10 foot John boat. <laughs> and yet here's these storms. And I grew up in Chicago on Lake Michigan, so I know about storms. I've been involved in a, a tropical storm before, Tropical Storm Diana in 1990 in, in the Caribbean. I know what large waves are like, and I know what it means to be in the water when those large waves can come upon you and some of the fear that that might cause that you're not going to get back to the shore, that you're not going to be alive, that you literally could die in the water. And so when we go through these interruptions, we do what the apostles did, don't we? God, don't you care? And he's like, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> don't, don't panic. Chill, I'm here. I'm here. Cast your cares upon me. I care for you. Come to me when you're weak and heavy laden. I'll give you rest for your souls. Learn from me. I'm humble and lowly in spirit. Listen, my burden's light. My yoke's easy. Come to me. I'm here. Come to me. Well, they came to him, but they didn't come to him in the right fashion. And then he kind of gently rebukes them. He does. He says, why are you so fearful? You know, the opposite of faith is fear. I'm trying to think of who the guy is that sings Fear is a Liar, the song currently. Fear is a liar. I mean, fear is a liar. And Satan is the author of fear. He wants us to live in fear. And God says, no, I want you to live by faith. Didn't give you a spirit of fear, strength, strong mind. That's what you need to be walking in. So these journeys of life, they assault us. And in those times, we kind of lose sight of Romans 8, 31 through 38, don't we? 
I mean, next time you feel like you're being overwhelmed by something, just turn to this text and be reminded of what the Lord tells us um, in Romans 8 about the things that happen in life. We know that all things work together for good in verse 28 for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And in the context, he's talking about how the Lord comes to us in our weaknesses. And then he gets down and he says, so what then should we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He didn't even spare his own son, but offered him up for all of us. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Well, who can bring an accusation against God's elect, which is what Paul was. And as he's writing to the church there, God is the one who justified. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised, who is also at the right hand of God the Father, and he intercedes for us. Next time you're in difficulty, realize Jesus sitting at the right throne of the Father, interceding for you continually. That's a good defense attorney, friends. <laughs> That's a good defense attorney. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, because of you are being put because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We're counting as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than victorious. Through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded, he says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing can separate us and nothing can overwhelm us because we're more than conquerors. If God was with me, and he is, who can be against me? So these interruptions, and it's these interruptions that sometimes just get us off track, which leads to the third point. The journey of life is best traveled by faith. When I talk with people today about all aspects of life, I oftentimes say, how are you coping? How do you get through these times if you don't have the right view of eternity? How do you make it through every day when, when literally it, it seems like the world and the circumstances of life are kicking you in the teeth. It's running the bus backwards and forwards over you while you're laying in the road. How do you make it through those days? How do you make it through without faith? I know what it's like to try to make sense of my life without faith, and I messed it up so bad, I'm thinking, thank goodness, Lord, you saved me. But we try to manage life on our own, don't we? We really do. In fact, normally our prayer life would be, God, I don't want to bother with this, but I, I can't handle it myself anymore so will you come help me in it and really you're just trying to help him understand what you want as the outcome and he's going wait a minute you should have been praying to me and talking to me in the very beginning of this and we'd have a different outcome you'd have a different attitude and things would be much better than what they are now right so that's what God does it so we think about it think about all the, the verses of scripture that just talk about faith that the just shall live by faith uh, that we walk by faith not by our sight that without faith it's impossible to please God. That by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. Gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith unveils, or I might say, unlocks the door to all the possibilities of the kingdom. If we'll but walk by faith. Walk by faith. So why should they have had faith that day? Well, maybe again, they were confused. They didn't hear. I mean, if Jesus says, let's cross over to the other side, I'm making the assumption we're going to make it to the other side. If he said, let's cross over to the other side, because we know he's not a God of confusion, not a God of peril. So they already know that. And then the un not only that, Jesus is in the boat. If Jesus is in the boat, if it capsizes, he's still going to be able to give us an opportunity. I mean, he did one time take a guy who had been thrown over or jumped out of a boat, uh, brought a fish along the way to swallow that guy up, and then eventually take him a few days here and there and spit him back out on dry ground. Didn't he do that? I mean, if he can do that now, I mean, I don't know. He might use a carp now. I don't know. Uh, you know, depending on where you fall in the water at, you know. But the reality is, if you're in the water, and let's think about Peter for a moment. Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water. Ah, I got my eyes on Jesus. That's Hebrews 12. Got my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I got my eyes fixed on Jesus. Uh-oh. Man, that wind's pretty fierce. Uh-oh. The waves are pretty bad. Save me! Here you go. I'm just hoping one of these days the Lord will give me the message about, I already got the title, the walk back to the boat. You think they just held hands and walked back, or do you think maybe Jesus is 
Peter, Peter, we get so distracted. But Jesus says, listen, and let's just use COVID. The heck with COVID. It is real. People are dying. So I can either focus on that or I can focus on Jesus who gives life and hope in the midst of that dying. That's where I want to focus. That's where I want to cling to so that I can be a hope and a help to those who are in those struggles. If I get it myself, he'll be a help and a hope to me. There's far worse things that have happened in life than COVID-19. Far worse. So Jesus is in the boat. And then there's still work to be done. You know, the, I'm thinking it's Wiersbe who said, I don't know if it was, it was Warren Wiersbe, a great theologian. I don't know if it was uh, to him or it was, uh, he authored it, but he said this. And he, he was speaking to pastors, so use the context and gender. You can apply it to female and male. He said, the man of God doing the work of God according to the will of God and the spirit of God, is immortal until his work is over. He doesn't get taken out by anybody or anything until his work is over. Whatever God wanted him to accomplish, he will accomplish. Think about that in your own life. Whatever God wants to accomplish in your life, he will accomplish it in your life. He's not going to prematurely take you out so that you don't accomplish the things he wants you to accomplish for his glory and for your good and for the benefit of others. That's how we walk through faith. And walk by faith. And so, here they are in the boat. Man, it's been a great day in teaching, Pastor. Man, we've had so much fun listening to you. Things are so well. Let's get in the boat. Okay, Jesus sleep. Our things fine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a big storm. Jesus, hey, you got to wake up, man. I, I'm thinking he's snoring. Might even be slobbering. He's so stressful, you know. Get up. Get up. Help me. Help us. Okay. <laughs> See, would you just be calm? Why are you fearful, guys? Where's your faith? And then the real question, the whole text comes to bear. Who is this guy? <laughs> Who is this Jesus dude that even the sea obeys him? They've seen his miracles before. They've seen him doing some things. But this is the first time he expressed his sovereign authority over creation that they're living in. And so don't miss this point. One of the things this story has to tell us is that we serve a God who came in the flesh in Jesus and now lives with us in the Holy Spirit. And he is sovereign over everything and everybody. Period. He's sovereign. He's in control. He has authority. So the ultimate question in the journey of life is what do you do with Jesus? That's the ultimate question. The answer to that question will determine where you spend eternity. What do you do with Jesus? It's all about Jesus. And if you think about it, isn't that what the book's about? Now, he uses characters and situations and stories in different continents and different languages and different circumstances and situations, but it's all about Jesus. There's a Messiah who's going to come. There's a Messiah who has come. There's a Messiah who is crucified. There's a Messiah who is resurrected. There's a Messiah who's alive in my life, and there's a Messiah who's coming back to get his own, and there's a Messiah who's going to rule and reign in eternity. That's what the book is about. The whole book is about that. And we have to keep that in perspective as we're reading the book. Now, he uses lots of different things. I mean, if you think about it, he tried to, to tell us in Abraham that he's a great father. That he wants to bless us. And he wants to give birth to us. In Moses, he reminds us he's the great deliverer. You're in bondage. That's okay. I can get you out of bondage. In Joseph, he tells us he's the great, the great protector of our integrity because Joseph is that great Old Testament picture of Jesus in the New Testament of how you can walk in integrity even when you're tempted to do things that you should not be doing. I think about the judges. They help us understand that there were rulers and authorities, that we need to submit to those rulers and authorities. I think about the kings, that even in their wickedness, God was still wanting to teach obedience and respect. I think about the prophets and how God is telling us, hey, there's some great teaching out there. If you apply it to your lives, you'll be victorious. If you don't, there'll be consequences. And if you really were to examine this chapter and the portion of all of chapter 5 and a portion of chapter 6, 
you would really see that as I've shared four points, the Lord's really given us four pictures of the sovereignty of Jesus. So if you think about it, the sovereignty of Jesus tells us, and as the guys say it and imply it, that his sovereignty can deliver us from death, eternal death. Now, if he happens to return while we're alive, we're going to be raptured, so we won't experience death. Like Enoch and Elijah, right? Just be raptured. But even in death, we don't experience death because the Bible tells us in, in John chapter 11 that if, if, even though you die, what? you're not really dying, you're alive. I'm the resurrection and the life. You never die. I mean, we'll never experience death if you think about it. The world will know it. Our body might be laying somewhere, but we won't experience death because he'd be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. And, uh, and Psalm 16 says, in the presence of the Lord, there's joy. There's not sadness. <laughs> there's joy. Those who have gone on before us right now are in the presence of the Lord. And we're the presence of the Lord. As the Bible says, where the spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. There's freedom. There's joy. There's no restraints. That's a great place to be, friends. That's a great place to be. So I think about these four pictures. If you think about it, and, you, and I'd encourage you, if you want to do a, a real good study in the next couple days, take chapter 4, chapter 5, and go to chapter 6, verse 6, and you'll see four pictures. One is the disciples are delivered from the peril of death at sea. And the truth in God's sovereignty is he's saying, by the way, nature obeys me. When I say something to it, it obeys me. If you go on from there, you'll see that he encounters a demoniac man who's been cast out of society, who's in the prison or the realm of death because he's in chains and nobody will come near him. But yet Jesus encounters him in the realm of death and he basically brings him out of the realm of death. And the picture there is that not only is God sovereign over nature, but God is sovereign over demons and Satan. That they can only be doing what he permits them to do. And when he's had enough of permitting them to what they do, he then changes the environment so they no longer do what they have been doing. If you go to the next picture, you'll find out that there's a woman who's walking death because she's devastated with an illness where she's been bleeding. She's taken all of her money to try to get healed and she's not been able to heal. But yet she encounters Jesus by saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, and she does, and he, she immediately is healed. And so what Jesus is telling us there is that, listen, I'm sovereign over disease. I've had cancer. My doctor told me, listen, if we wouldn't have caught this thing, chances are you could be dead in a year. But God is sovereign over disease. He's sovereign over cancer. I praise the Lord today. I'm cancer-free. Now, that doesn't mean it won't come back next week or next month or next year. But if it does, I'm walking with Jesus and he's walking with me. We're going to be okay. Even if death is the answer, still going to be okay. God's sovereign over nature. God's sovereign over the demons who are working in this life to divide us and defeat us and destroy us. That's what the John 10, 10. Satan comes what? To kill, to steal, and to destroy our lives. God has control over that. You got an ailment today, take it to the Lord. Just get there to touch him and say, God, heal me. Please heal me. I, I desire it. He likes to give us the desires of our heart. And then the last picture is he literally gives a picture that I can conquer death because a father comes and says, listen, my daughter's sick. No, my daughter's dead. No, nah, she's just sleeping, actually. <laughs> so let me go encounter her. And that which is dead is now brought back to life. And in the journeys of our lives, friends, we have these great adventures. We have these great interruptions. And in those interruptions and in those adventures, what we have to do is walk by faith with Jesus because obviously and ultimately what we do with him matters to what he does through us and what we can do on, in and during this life that we're living. So here's the great truth of this text. There are many. I'm sure Ben would tell you there are many you could apply. That's one of the great things about the Word of God. You can take a simple story. and I mean, we literally could preach on this message for the rest of our lives and probably not saturate the whole text. Just this little few verses. Here's the ultimate truth. Jesus is greater than anything 
any threat, any chaos that seeks to destroy your life. He's greater than it. Sometimes we try to destroy our own lives. He's greater than us. Sometimes somebody out there tries to destroy our lives. He's greater than them. Sometimes it's Satan who's trying to destroy us. Jesus is greater than Satan. The world certainly wants to des destroy, at least beginning to think that the world wants to destroy the testimony of the church. Jesus is greater than that. It ain't going to happen because the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Amen. So what's your journey like right now? How are you walking? You clinging to the Lord? Don't let go. I got a hold of you. You're in the boat? Or are you maybe a little bit apprehensive? Don't want to know what might be revealed or you might have to deal with because you're just kind of on the outskirts. Or maybe, you know, right now you're thinking, no, Jack, I've been close to the Lord, but now I'm not close to the Lord. And there's things that have happened. It's caused me to be confused. It's caused me to, to question. It's caused me to doubt. And I'm just struggling with my faith. And you know what? In all three of those, it's okay because you just got to be real with the Lord. But I know this, if you'll run to the Lord, if you'll run to the Lord, he'll help you. Probably the greatest, one of the greatest pictures that I love in the Word of God. Imagine you're the prodigal. You know what it's like to be in the Father's house. Great time. Got a position. I'm an heir to the throne. I've got responsibility. I've got all the wealth that I could muster. But I decide to take that inheritance and just go waste it in the world. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. I want to do my thing. And then you realize maybe that's not the best thing. <laughs> maybe that's not the good thing. But that really just being a slave in my father's house is better than what I'm doing out here. And so you rehearse your prayer. You come to your senses. You rehearse your prayer and you start back home. Oh, what am I going to say to dad? I hope I get this right. Have I memorized it? Yeah, I think I got it in my mind. So then you see him. And I can imagine the father, and here's what I always picture. Uh, they're in a meadow. It's a beautiful country setting. Uh, there's a white house with a, a porch all the way around. There's a couple swings and a couple rocking chairs. And every morning the father goes to the kitchen and he has his, you know, for me, he has his pancakes. He has his eggs. He has his sausage. He probably has some grits. And he's had this great breakfast. And he says, will he come home today? Will today be the day? And in the father's brokenness, on that morning, he sees that son. He doesn't wait on the porch. He jumps off the porch, and it's the only picture you'll find in the Word of God where he runs to the sun, and before the, the sun can get this rehearsed prayer out, hey, it's time to throw a party. Sun's come home. Where's that fattened calf? Let's kill it. Go get those shoes. Go get those sandals. Go get the rope. Go get my ring. We need to put it on him. God wants to do that with every single one of us. Whether we're the prodigal or we're lost, he wants to run to us and he wants to give us all the benefits of the kingdom that he has to offer. And what he says, if you walk to me in faith, I will make things better than you can think or imagine. That's the great God we serve and that's the great Jesus, the Savior, who died for your sin and mine. How can you not want a relationship with him? How can you not? Let's pray together. Father, we bless you and thank you for this truth from your word. Thank you for the challenges that your word gives us, for the realities that it's just not biblical truth, but it's biblical truth that we can apply to our lives, that you quicken to our spirits, that you empower by your spirit that helps us get through these journeys that we're on every day and these, these adventures that we're on. 
So, Father, I, I just want to give you a time that we can respond. Whatever a need is taking place even right now in a heart, speak to that need. Meet that need according to your glory and for their good. Meet that need through your love and your presence that they might know of the vastness of that. And then whatever they need to do in making a decision or just being broken in their spirit or being joyful in their spirit, whatever the response is, may they do it with authenticity or as you would say, they, may they do it in spirit and may they do it in truth so that they might experience the great journey of life that can come through a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And we pray that in his name and for his glory. Amen. I'll turn it back over to Ben. Would you all stand with me as we come to the music? Thank you, Jack. Thank you very much for that word and that message. Um, the prodigal son going home, he went home when he decided that the father's house was better than being with the pigs. It was better than where he was. And I know for me and man, there's so many people that I've ministered to, the reason, it's still the same reason. It's still the same reason that people don't go to the Father's house. It's because what they're in they think is better. And I hope, I pray, I'm giving my life to this ministry to try and convince people, to try and convince the world that the Father's house is better. It's so much better. It's so much better than anything that you could be in, anything that you could enjoy. His house is better. Amen. Let's pray as we then sing together. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that your house is better. That what you've done for us is better. It cannot be compared to the things that we long and love. Thank you, Jesus. Be honored in this time we do pray in Jesus' name. And we all say together. Amen. Let's sing and worship together.